This is an ABC podcast. Hey there, Ange McCormack with you for the Hack Podcast, filling in for Dave Marchese. And today's episode is The Shake Up. We're going to talk all about the big stories of the week. And heaps has been happening. We launched our brand new climate change podcast. It's called Who's Going to Save Us? Check it out after you listen to this. Also, Leonardo DiCaprio's called it quits with another 25-year-old. And there's been gross behaviour again at an elite all-boys private school. Let's get into it. We have all seen the stereotypical scenario. A beautiful younger woman with an older resourced man. Everyone lives on this broad spectrum of awareness and how much action they can take on climate change. It seems a group of senior students need a lesson in human decency. On Triple J. Yeah, heaps to talk about today and on the Shake Up panel, I'm very excited to be joined by writer and social editor for Forbes Australia, Emily Burnham. Hey, Emily. Hello, thanks for having me. No worries. And I'm also with musician, shake-up, regular, many hats. Podcaster. Raf- Podcaster. Okay, let's talk about that. Small business owner. Yeah, oh. okay. What don't you do? Um, Raf Dixon. G'day, Raf. Thank God today's Friday. Hell yeah. <laughs> that is the energy we are looking for for this next half hour. Let's kick things off. Hack. I think it's deplorable. I think this school should be run over the coals. I think if I'm, if I'm the parent of that school, I'm pulling my kid out. This is the thing that we need to eliminate. How are we ex- expecting these kids to grow up, these boys to grow up and respect women when, when they're circulating this sort of rubbish around themselves? I mean, they need to be absolutely pulled over the coals, these kids. On Triple J. Yeah, go off, Carl Stefanovic. Um, did you see this story this week about... A horrible group chat at an elite private boys' school in Sydney. Basically, a bunch of students at Knox Grammar were suspended over this chat they were having in Discord. It was full of sexist and racist messages. Some of the students glorified pedophilia, rape, and made anti-Semitic references. It was just really gross. Um, Some of the messages were so bad they couldn't even be published in the article that broke the story. And I feel like there's been so much talk in recent years about consent education, about making sure we teach young people in schools how to have respectful relationships, Clearly, that hasn't worked at Knox. The the school did say, though, that the nature of these posts is contrary to the values and culture of Knox and it's unacceptable. I want to know, though, why do you think this is still happening? How do we change the culture? Let me know what you think, especially if you went to an all-boys school. Call me, 1300-0555-36 or text 0439-75755. Let's hear from my shake-up guests on this one. Emily, are you surprised to see another headline like this one? Uh, not surprised, disappointed. <laughs> I think we all are. Yeah. Um, I also went to a private girls' school, so I'm very familiar with Knox and some Knox boys. It's funny how you never see these headlines about private girls' schools. Hey? No, I wonder why that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, what's your take on it? Like, are you, yeah, you're not surprised about it, but what does it sort of say about the culture in some of these institutions? I think it's like what we've always been saying every time Knox is in a headline. They have more headlines than students right now. (laughs) And I think it's mainly that it's such a gross culture that's just fed from super rich kids that will never, ever get in trouble for anything they do or say. And I think this is going to be the same case for this one. Right. You don't think it will change anything? Mm -mm. The cycle continues? It will continue. Raph, what do you think? You went to a co-ed school, right? I went to a co-ed public school. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Um, But... I honestly don't think it's just a problem of kind of private school boys. I think there's probably a broader issue probably with young alienated men. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there were group chats or Xbox Live conversations or what have you from 
uh, especially young men, young men, definitely young men from um, anywhere where the, you know, there's a broader problem, I think, where kids feel alienated and they feel like they don't have control over their future and they don't, they see their parents and their parents aren't happy, even though their parents have what's, you know, supposed to be kind of economic freedom. And so they're edgy online and they're edgy to their friends because it makes them actually feel something. And there's a broader issue rather than just kind of saying like, these specific kids in this specific school have done something wrong. Um, you know, this is why people are attracted to people like Andrew Tate and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, interesting, know. right? Yeah, I feel like he's been kicking off some of these conversations for people in schools or whatever. Like that's, they get attracted to that. Yeah, it makes kids feel empowered. And mm. obviously it's like reprehensible and like, you know, I see Andrew Tate and I think it's quite clownish to be perfectly honest. But, you know, it gives people like finally they have some meaning in this life anyway. Yeah, and it seems explosive and it gets a reaction, right? Like yeah. usually it's about them like hyping each other up or like trying to outdo each other it seems potentially. Um, let's go to a caller. Shannon, you've called in. What do you, what's your take? Um, so I'm 26 and um, I've noticed the raising amount of men that just don't have any morals anymore. It's like... They're, they've detached from their feelings or something and without purpose they've kind of like just turned into big bullheaded men right. that just want to be the alpha. I guess, yeah, that's um, not a good experience to have with a lot of men out there, but I guess not everyone is like that, I suppose. Thanks so much for the call, Shannon. Um, ben, you've not called... Not all men. Not all men. I didn't want to... <laughs> yeah, but kind of, you know. Um, ben, you've called in. What did you want to say? Uh, yeah, I was just uh, calling in to say that I'm in uh, multiple discords, particularly mm -hmm. for gaming. Um, some of these stretch across multiple countries, you know, all the way from the UK to America to Germans and, and like literally everyone. And um, this sort of behavior is like happens all the time in uh, discord right. chats. It's uh, honestly no big surprise. It's not just... Uh, you know, juniors in high school. So does that make it does that make it good or right? Or like when you're in those chats, do you bother pulling people up or what do you do? Um, for the most for the most part I normally generally stay quiet. Um, some some certain things certain things which I won't go into, I will voice an opinion and be like, that's a little too far. But um it's the it's that culture where it it it's stemming Is it from stuff, though, multiple ben, that older generations. Yeah, like if you Sorry? if they if the stuff that people were saying on those chats was said in real life, face to face, would it be a different story? I don't think any of them would say it to anyone. I I, I feel like it's always behind closed doors. I don't think I think ninety percent of the people that make these comments in these chats would never actually say that physically in front of their sister, mm. their mum, their you know their brother. They're still saying friends. it right, and then that that contributes to this culture, doesn't it? But that's yeah. what that's absolutely, and it contributes to this culture, and it's coming from you know. 14, 13-year-olds, you know, 40-year-olds, it's, it's all generations. It, but doesn't, you know, saying, oh, it's just discord, it's just like having a laugh and it's a different place, kind of just normalise it and accept, like... I think that's what does make it normalised, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Is it's this out-of-realm, not part-of-reality. Mm, very interesting. Thanks so much for calling in, Ben. Emily, what do you make of that, just seeing, being on those Discord chats and people going, ah, well, it's Discord, whatever? Well, it's kind of like what was just said because that chat, the Knox group chat, were all, like there were also alumni part of that chat. So mm. there were also like grown men who are part of that like group chat that has like 150 people. And I'm like, these are guys that like are working. So it's not, I think everyone sees these kind of headlines and thinks it's like, a student issue or child issue and behavioural issues, but 
they're learning it from actual like men as well who are in the workplace who are applauding this kind of behaviour. You're listening to Hack on Triple J. I'm Ange McCormack filling in for Dave Marchese today. I'm with Emily Vernon and Raf Dixon. On the Triple J text line, someone says, it comes down to parenting. Those views clearly start young far before a school comes into play, not just up to schools to make change. Uh, someone else says, give a man a mask and he'll show his true face. That's a really interesting point about the anonymity mm. that mm. sort of is provided in these forums. What do you think about that, Raf, and what that caller said about, you know, it being a sort of lawless environment so Therefore, they do the most horrible like language possible. Totally, because you get a shot of adrenaline when you say something like edgy and repulsive, right? Mm. And yeah, as you say, then then the culture forms within you know these the, in an anonymous environment where you have to kind of one up uh, each other. What's the solution? I mean, you know. Maybe maybe social media was a bad idea. <laughs> okay, let's no. cancel it. Let's cancel it. But or is the solution having someone, you know, like Ben, the caller, said, you know, he sometimes steps in. Is it about being in those group chats and being like, come on, dude, why are we why are yeah. we going this far? I always get worried when we start saying like, oh, it's an individual's responsibility to step in like a superhero. I think there's probably honestly a broader issue of like of young men in particular feeling alienated because even though yes definitely there are definitely older people who are um seem to be part of it it seems to stem from that like people they're not socialized as much if you went to an all-boys school and you're playing video games all night and i'm not saying that's a bad thing but like you're only interacting with your friends your male friends and then you get a job and you come home and your social environment is within a video game and on chat programs and in discord and you're never properly socialized then you know it becomes kind of Toxic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Emily, there's been, like, just to talk about away from the Discord thing and just about private school culture in general and single-sex school culture, there's been a bit of a push in Sydney and I assume in other cities as well to make some all-boys private schools co-ed to, like, mm -hmm. bring in female students. Do you think that'll help? Like, does having girls and boys in the same environment make bad behaviour better or worse or is this a terrible idea? I think personally it's a terrible idea because you're treating an issue that's so specific to like the growth of boys and you're making it a girl's issue as well. Um, I went to a co-ed school from like kindergarten to year nine and towards the end of year nine till HSC, I went to an all-girls school. And honestly, I know so many people have different experiences with all-girls school, like with anxiety and bullying and stuff, but my experience was really good. I was bullied really badly in my co-ed school by boys Mm. And going into an all-female environment, I felt so much safer. I felt secured. I felt empowered to be myself. And I'm just thinking like all, all those girls who also feel like that in all-girls schools and there might be like conversation about making like co-ed school happen. Like, I don't mm. know. I don't really like that. Yeah. What do you think, Raph, about this whole debate around co-ed schools, all-boys schools, all-girls schools? It's like, as I said before, it, it seems to only be an issue in all-boys schools, like Emily's experience in an mm. all-girls school. I'm sure there are issues. Mm. And, you know, I went to an all-girls school as well. It's not like they're heaven. No, <laughs> absolutely not. There's some, you know, teenage girls can be very, very mean. Um, but, you know, how do we approach this, like, with that single boys conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that I mean, my understanding is the research shows that um, women do better in all girls schools and men do better in co-ed schools. So yes, I mean, it would definitely advantage men to a certain extent uh, making everything co-ed. But if we're looking at education holistically, and it's not just about like learning, you know, maths and algebra and learning English and passing the HSC or, you know, the equivalent, whatever your exams are, and it's supposed to be training for life and helping us grow as people, then maybe co-ed is a 
bit more natural and a bit more of a natural path into the real world than um, splitting out mm. the sexes. And when they do it with these private school, private boys schools and say like, oh, let's just introduce Here come the, girls. <laughs> the female oh, population. No. Like I, I feel Bring for those. That's scary. Yeah, like is it some sort of sacrificial offering yeah. and you're like, oh, God, and, like why should the onus be on, on you know, women to make men better? To fix the problem. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I need your help. <laughs> I don't want to help. <laughs> <laughs> on the Triple J text line, someone says, of course this behaviour is going on in public schools too. Teenage boys are immature and they egg each other on. I don't think it matters what your education costs. Um, Emily, there's been a big push recently for like consent education you know like mm. Chanel Contos has made this big push about why that's so important I think everyone agrees some of the messages in the chat though yes were sexist and consent education would help with that but some of them were just like racist mm-hmm. you know ableist all of those sorts of things like how do you create education that just teaches people to be normal and nice <laughs> that's such a big question yeah. well I don't think it's education sorry to jump in but like you know, we, we keep saying like, oh, education is the answer. Bringing someone in and saying like, don't say this, don't say that. It's socialisation, right? It's being part of a social, mm-hmm. like of a society, meeting people from different stripes. I don't know. That's my opinion. Mm. But I do think that's also learnt behaviour from family dynamics. I don't think that... You think that, it's family? Yeah, I do. Yeah, there's a lot of blame on the schools, I suppose, but then... I think it's a bit of both. But from my personal experience, when I've experienced racism or sexism, and then I see where they were brought up and who brought them up. I'm like, this makes sense. Mm. So much to talk about. The text line is going off. Ollie, you say, I'm an old Knox boy. I think the issue is highly systemic and seen in so many boys' schools. All right, let's keep moving. You're listening to Hack. Who's going to save us? Who do you think is going to save us? Honestly, um, this generation that's come Who's gonna on save Triple J. This week we launched our brand new podcast. It's all about climate change and the solutions that are going to get us out of the climate crisis. And yeah, it's called Who's Going to Save Us? If you're loving it, leave us a review. If you haven't heard it yet, get out your podcast app and get on it ASAP after the shakeup, of course. But a super interesting story in episode one is about people who quit their jobs for climate change. So we heard from this woman called Emily Townsend. She left News Corp in 2020 because she didn't agree with how they were reporting on the bushfire at the time. So should your job align with your values? Should you quit if you work with someone or a company you don't agree with? Let me know what you think, especially if you've quit your job so you could work on something more meaningful to you. Call in 1300 055536 or text in 0439 757555. Hack, do you think your values have to align with any job? Do you really need to have some ideology in line with whoever you work for? So say if you're working like a more casual job, you don't care at all about, you know, like in a bigger picture sense that you're working in a fruit and veg store, for example. But if you're working kind of in more of a, you know, an industry or career, I feel like I would want my values to align there. Would you quit your job if something happened at your work that didn't align with your values? I have quit jobs because of that. Gerbs. Nah, make money. I guess it depends on how extreme the values are. If it was something that I completely disagreed with, I would definitely consider it. But if it was something minor, probably not. Gerbs, I've got another question for you. Do you think it's more effective to be inside the tent pissing out or outside the tent pissing in? Inside the tent pissing out. 
Yeah, I want to hear your takes on, on jobs and identity. If you think your career should match up with your values or if you're like, yeah, let's just make money. Um, some people are texting in on 0439757555. Get yours in too. And this is The Shake Up on Hack. I'm Ange McCormack and I'm with musician Raf Dixon and writer Emily Vernon. Uh, Raf, you're a business owner. You have many hats. Mm. You do lots of things. You love what you do, right? I you do. haven't you haven't sold your soul. No, I haven't sold my soul. I mean, and those who know me know that I'm not opposed to securing the bag. <laughs> um, uh, look, it's I, th- I think it's a tough one. I'm lucky enough that I'm able to kind of work on what I want, but I think it is probably a little bit of a privileged position to say, you know, if you're morally opposed to your employer or what your employer does, that you're able to just up and leave and jump to another job and still get the same income and still be able to support your family or support those people around you. Um, whilst obviously in an ideal world, we're all working towards a greater good and we love the companies we work for, like people's realities, I don't think are mm. that simple. Mm, yeah, it's like a privileged thing to be able to just quit, right? I yeah. Mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Emily, have you ever sold your soul for a job? I haven't sold my soul for a job, but I have had jobs in the past that um, I try to change from within. Mm. Okay. Oh. You were about the, it. You were in the tent pissing, pissing out. out. Yes. Yeah, I was pissing out hard. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, Tell me more. So I had like a few jobs where I felt like um, I'm really passionate about diversity in the workplace and I thought I loved my job so much. I just thought this was one thing that I could help try to fix. Um, but also as a person of colour, it's really taxing. Like mm. it's mentally draining and sometimes I just don't think it's worth it. Right. So did it did it end up like exhausting you and leading to burnout and thinking yeah. like... And then maybe even doing your actual job less Yeah, well? on the side. It's so weird. And then I'm like, am I even doing anything? Yeah, that's so interesting. Um, Red on the text line, you can text into on 0439757555. But Red says, I quit the police after a few years. Shout outs. (laughs) (laughs) I had an idea that I could change it from the inside and really help people, kind of like Emily was talking about. Instead, I found a culture that was sexist, homophobic and racist. Mm. 1314. I'm a woman and queer but was completely crushed by the toxic culture. Best decision I ever made. That's a really interesting point by Red. Um, Raf, what do you think about, like, just in general, having this pressure to choose a job that you love and that, like, aligns with your values? Like, I don't know, I feel like a lot of people, you know, they're sold this idea of you have to love what you do, but some people are like, no, I just want to make money. Yeah, and also some people just want their job to be not define who they are, right? Like it's something you do, you rock up to, you get paid and then mm. your identity is something that you create outside of your job um, and you leave it at the door at five o'clock and then you can go out and yeah, be part of your community and, and help people around you and dedicate yourself to causes you like or just like live a happy life and make your family happy and it's <laughs> not about like what you yeah. do. Yeah. You know? Have you ever fantasised about that, Emily? Like getting a just meaningless job so that you could, I don't know, switch off from work? Because the pressure of having a meaningful job is a lot sometimes, right? Yeah, but I don't know. I love, I'm one of those people who like loves working. Hashtag girl boss. I know, (laughs) I know. But I do see the appeal. I do think that whole American dream of having like the like granular career is over. I don't think anyone's aiming for that anymore. And I think it's a bit weird if you still are. Yeah, Mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like those uh, threads on Twitter that are like, if you're not 30 and don't have four streams of income and yeah. 
like five hundred thousand dollars in investments than you and a mortgage. And what are you doing with house. your life? Yeah, yeah Get totally. Out. On the Triple J text line, someone says, "I'm an ecologist and I used to work for Department of Environment, but they were fully corrupt to the point of species extinction." Wow. Uh, someone else says, "Hey team, I was a teacher at a Christian college. Couldn't say I, qu- I agreed with their views, so I quit." That's really interesting. That's a real life example of you know that tension some people face um, when they take a job, think it's going to be one thing and then realise, like, I can't make a change, got to get out. Um, Raf, when you do care about a job, the stakes are so much higher, right? It means mm. you do better work, but it often means you sacrifice things like time spent with your people and that sort of thing. You were just talking about that, but, like, is it worth it having a great job but you sacrifice the rest of your life? Oh, if you love it. I mean, people can do, do what they want. I'm also in the privileged position that I do love what I do and mm. I'm very lucky that I enjoy going to work in the morning. Um, and I also love what I do. I've been in my <laughs> new job for three weeks and I love it. <laughs> Is your boss listening? The way no. you said that sounded... <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I mean, like, of course, if people should do that if they, if they want to, but also people shouldn't feel bad, like, if they don't like their job and they just treat it as a job because mm. for the, re- the reality is for the majority of people, like, they don't fucking... Lo- Excuse me. They don't love their job. (laughs) Like, right? Like, no one loves their job. Um, I mean, some people, yeah, I love my job. Um, Lachlan, you've called in. Do you love your job? I love my job. What do you do? (laughs) I'm a teacher. Oh, Oh. yeah. You're a good, yeah. Well, I mean, thank you for your service. It seems like a very hard job. But why do you, why do you love it so much? Uh, Look, I've got an absolute fantastic team, um, an absolute fantastic uh, boss. So, my execs are incredible yeah. uh, and, you know, they're there to support us as much as possible rather than the other way around, which is what some people may find in a different system. Mm. Yeah, I mean, all I've heard from friends that are teachers, teachers that listen to the show, there's, there's lots of them, they talk about how, uh, how hard the workload is though, that you're working long hours, it's tough out mm. there. So it sounds like, is that your experience as well? Is there a lot of sacrifice that comes with having a job that you love? Definitely. It's, it's a selfless profession, but um, when, when you see a child get what, what you're trying to teach them, uh, then it becomes amazing. Uh, I'm a musician. Uh, I bring that as much into the classroom as possible. Oh, I th- like Lachlan's line is... Oh, it's a little bit dodgy there, but I think Lachlan was saying that he's a music teacher and that he brings music into the classroom. So wholesome. Very wholesome. Um, you're listening to Hack on Triple J. I'm Ange McCormack. I'm with writer Emily Vernon and musician Raf Dixon. On the Triple J text line, someone says, I'm a criminal lawyer. I feel defined by my job. Mm-hmm. Haven't slept properly in years and often think about being the thing between my clients and prison. That is heavy. That mm. is stressful, Tara in Adelaide. Oh, my God. Most of us here in this room just do Could random never. stuff. Like, that's... Anyway, good text, um, Tara from Adelaide. And someone else says, after 10 months in the job, my partner and I both quit jobs we had at the same company when it became evident that they weren't living up to the values we were told about. We didn't have anything else to go to, so it was scary, but they just weren't good people. All right, let's keep moving and talk about Leo. Hack. Is it okay for a 30-year-old to date a 19-year-old? On Triple J. He's done it again. Leonardo DiCaprio is going through a breakup. 
put out, <laughs> put your bikinis out for Leo is a hashtag I want to get started. Um, he's no longer with model Camilla Marone, who turned 25 just a few months ago. And of course, Leo has done this before. Famously, he's only ever dated women 25 or under, even though he's now 47. What's your take on this? Is it okay? Does it give you the ick? Or do you have an especially good meme to share? Call me 1300 03536 or text in 0439757555. Hack. Once upon a time in Hollywood, nearly three Three hours long, Leonardo DiCaprio attended the premiere and by the end, his date was too old for him. The 47-year-old actor and 25-year-old model are going their separate ways. We have all seen the stereotypical scenario. A beautiful younger woman with an older, resourced man. Is it okay for a 30-year-old to date a 19-year-old? I love an age difference. Leonardo DiCaprio, what can I even say about him? It's, he's done so much to fight climate change and leave behind a cleaner, greener planet for his girlfriends. On Triple J. Yeah, you're listening to The Shake Off. We're talking all about Leonardo DiCaprio and his... Um, pattern of dating younger women. It's a whole thing. It's been a big story this week. Emily Van Em, you are 26. How does it feel uh, to be oh. too old? I can't date Leo. What the hell? That's very sad. I've taken it very personally, <laughs> embarrassingly. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, jokes aside, and we'll have plenty of time for those because it's just such good fodder. Um, but like as a woman mm -hmm. in your 20s, there's a lot of pressure to just in general. Yeah. But then added to this whole thing is this fear that Leo has now instilled in all of us that 25 is old. Yeah. I Okay, so in my early 20s, probably around 19 to 20, I was obsessed with this Leo narrative because I knew I would have the chance to date him. Yeah, you got five it was, years. It was possible. <laughs> so every time he got a new girlfriend, I was like, this is funny. And plus Me I next. feel like when any woman turns 18, she immediately is like, I'm an adult. Like mm, it doesn't matter. Really who, yeah, I'm like yeah. it doesn't matter who I date. Like these girls can date him. It's fine. Yeah. And then I turn 26, and I'm like, <laughs> how dare he? And I'm angry. <laughs> yeah. Because he won't date me, and I feel icky about it. Um, Rafa, I assume Leo wouldn't date you either. Are you feeling all right about that? Yeah, I'm cut. He oh, might. <laughs> you never know. I don't know. When I turn it on, all oh. I'm saying. Okay. Um. Yeah. Look, I think the thing with this whole thing is like if. The roles were reversed. People have kind of brought up like if the roles were different. If it was if Leo was a woman, um, and I was a woman only dating uh, men under twenty five, like that'd be really hot. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. The 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 way that it's framed from like females doing the same thing to males, it's just very different and very telling of how those um, power imbalances clearly mm -hmm. work. Um, this whole story has been ripe for meme culture. Leo's just been savaged um, this week. My favourite one was this tweet that said, Leonardo DiCaprio is actually dating all the under 25s he possibly can to spread the word about climate change to those who will be most impacted. I thought that was great. Um, clearly satirical. Emily, do you have a, a favourite headline um, from this I week? liked... When the Titanic turns 25, Leo won't want to be in it anymore. <laughs> yeah, which is this year, right? <laughs> this year. We're not allowed to watch Titanic <laughs> anymore, I guess. Um, on the Triple J text line, someone says, hashtag power imbalance. Someone says, I dated a 30-year-old when I was 19. Thought it was fine at the time. When I turned 30, I, I thought back and pu puked a little, mm. says Kira. Yeah, that like goes to what you were saying, Emily, about how you sort of navigate those thoughts at different ages. And it when almost you're seems young. cool when you're younger and you're, yeah, like, and you're like, I'm no. dating a 30-year-old. And fine. he gets me. Yeah. 
Yeah. We're on the same maturity level. Yeah. <laughs> um, someone else says, does Leo have the mind of a young boy? I just couldn't imagine having anything in common with someone barely half my age. Yeah, Christian well, in Melbourne. Yeah, what do they talk about? Well, mm. like obviously as uh, many listeners would, would know, like if you're under 26, you are emotionally immature. and you're. But maybe Leo, like he's an actor, he's emotionally immature, so he's on the same Perfect level. Match. Yeah, totally. Like his job is to pretend to be someone he's not. Mm. And like we laud him for that. So like, he's pretending to be a 25-year-old. In his mind, <laughs> right. He's a fantastic yeah. actor. <laughs> but also, you know, like young people in their 20s are very cool and interesting mm. and have a lot to say. Maybe he mm. just but has so do fascinating I. conversations. I'm still cool and interesting. That is so have true. A lot to say. Yes, I can't, I can't um, argue <laughs> with that. Um, one th- thought I had, Emily, was about dating apps, right, and mm. how it kind of makes you like it forces you to choose your age gap so you have to be like I'm interested in you know 25 to 29 year olds or whatever and for guys as well they have to do the same thing yeah and it means that it's always whoever you're seeing on the app is like it's a consensual thing like if you're Mm -hmm. seeing someone younger than you it's because they've also said that they want to see people your age like an 18 year old if they're interested in 47 year olds like they'll only see the 47-year-olds that's interested in them. I don't know if I've explained that, if you get what I mean, right? So does that kind of make it a bit more of a level playing field in the real world when we're talking about this stuff, do you think? No, because people can bypass that. And I've actually had a dodgy experience recently because I matched with a guy who on his profile said that he was 30 Mm. And then when we matched and he started the conversation, he said, just letting you know, I'm actually 38. Oh. And I was like, oh, why did you lie about your age? And he's like, because I want to start having children, but with someone younger right. than 30. And because I suppose it is relatively, like you can just change your age on the app or there's not enough. I think you can change your age on the app or you change your age on Facebook and it connects to the app or something like that. Right. Mm. Mm. Very, okay, so that idea that no, it no, levels no. it is all wrong. I apologise <laughs> for suggesting it. It's fine. <laughs> um, that's actually all we've got time for on this shake up today. Emily Vernon, writer and social editor at Forbes Australia. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's Friday. It's Friday, baby. And Raf Dixon, musician, shake up regular, mm. podcast legend, host. podcast host. Sorry, we didn't even talk about the podcast. Um, thank you as well. Uh, you're more than you're more than welcome. More Anytime. Than- Hack on Triple J. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Hack Podcast. My shake-up guests today were Emily Vernon, writer and social editor at Forbes Australia, and musician Raf Dixon. And thanks to the hard-working Hack team this week, executive producer Claire Bloomer, senior producer Serge Negus, and our reporters AJ Williams, Georgia Hitch, Joe Lauder, Ellie Grounds, Edwina Story, April McLennan, Angel Parsons, James Pertil, and of course, Dave Marchese, who will be back with you on Monday.